Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Middle of the week here. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond. Welcome to The Inner Life here on this Wednesday of the fifth week of Lent. And when you were young, do you remember that question? What do you want to be when you grow up? When you're an adult, what do you want to do? How did you respond to that? And did your answer change over the years, or was your answer always the same? Didn't matter the age, maybe 5, 8, 14 years old, didn't matter. You always knew what you wanted to do, what you wanted to be. All kinds of kids have given pretty standard answers to this kind of question. A lot of times there's that response of, oh, I want to be a police officer, I want to be a firefighter, I want to be a teacher. Some might want to play their favorite sport when they grow up, become an athlete. Others might want to become an actor. Being a doctor, that's another popular answer that you hear from kids. If they like animals, they might want to be a veterinarian. But every once in a while, you get some unique, some creative answers that you don't expect. One five-year-old boy was very specific about his dream job. When he was asked what he wanted to be, when he grew up, he said he wanted to be a ninja chef. This is a real... (laughs) This is a real response from a a little boy. He said, a ninja chef. And he, he actually had the schedule of his week mapped out. He would work as a chef preparing food Monday through Thursday. On Fridays, that's when he would do all of his ninja work. And then he'd take the weekend off. He'd rest Saturday and Sunday and then start back up being a chef on Monday all over again. A four-year-old girl, she responded that she wanted to be a tattoo artist. And when she said this, her family was surprised because nobody in her family had any tattoos. And so they asked, why the attraction to this profession? And she said, well, it's because you get a draw on people and they pay lots of money for it. Another one, this is a 12-year-old boy who lives in Australia. He was asked this question, what do you want to be when you grow up? He might have the most distinct, specific, unique answer I've ever heard. He said he wanted to be a dealer in antique Swiss Alp horns. And this young boy, he didn't play any musical instruments. He'd never been to Switzerland. So why the antique Swiss Alp horns? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. A little girl named Alina, she said when she grows up, she wants to be a customer in a store. And when she's a customer in a store, she's going to buy broccoli and tomatoes and carrots. And when she gets home, then she's going to make soup with all of her newly purchased produce. Another one that I liked, this is a little boy. He responded that when he grows up, he wants to be a cab driver. And he was when he was asked about this, why a cab driver? It turns out because at the time he was asked, he had a friend who had a broken leg. And that friend of his didn't have the means to get to school. So this boy... He explained, I want to be able to drive around and teach those people who cannot afford to go to school. 
But that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? It can still be uncertain for many people, even as you enter adulthood, even as you're entering college. Many different studies, different surveys have shown that somewhere in the range of 70 to 80% of undergraduate students will change majors at least once during their time in college. And we, in our contemporary culture, we associate who we are so strongly with what we do, where we are employed, our profession. But, of course, we are more, all of us, we're more than just merely our job. God has called each of us to certain tasks, certain responsibilities, things that we are called to do in our life that go beyond our our day job. And that call from God, that's what we refer to as our vocation. But how do you know what your vocation is? How do you discover it? How do you discern where God is calling you? Well, this is what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life. And joining us as our spiritual director, Father Sam Keyes is with us. It's his first time here joining us on The Inner Life. Father Keyes is a priest in the Ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter. He's a professor of theology at John Paul the Great Catholic University in California. Father Keyes, welcome to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here with us today. Great to be here. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. And uh, did you always know that you wanted to be a priest when you were growing up? If if somebody asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up, would you have said a priest? No. <laughs> I I would have had no clue what a priest was. <laughs> so, uh, no, it was not really on my radar for for many years. Um, I mean, I I love the, the answers you just gave about different kids, because I, I think when I was growing up, I probably gave all sorts of different responses. I think, you know, I wanted to be a, a chef. I wanted to be a, a, you know, a lawyer at one point. I was interested in politics, and then I lost interest in some of these things and uh, then wanted to study, you know, wanted to write novels. You know, so I've, I've kind of thought about all sorts of things before I ended up in uh, the world of academic theology and, and in church ministry. And, uh, and I think that's probably the case for many of us. It's a very roundabout uh, you know, way of, of, of finding uh, what it is that we're doing and, and, and what you know, the Lord has in store for us. Well, and Father, you have kind of a unique story of coming into the church. You've been a priest for a number of years, but you are a convert to Catholicism. Um, since this is your first time on the show, can you tell us a little about your journey into the church? Sure. Uh, yeah, in my um, growing up, you know, I grew, I grew up as a, a Southern Baptist in uh, Mississippi, and I honestly had very little contact with Catholicism. Uh, I, I had some some of those kind of classic negative stereotypes about Catholics um, uh, that were common in, in evangelical Protestantism, and I knew some lapsed Catholics who didn't give me a particularly good uh, impression of Catholicism. So uh, my journey towards the Catholic Church had its first uh, major stop, if you will, uh, in, in Anglicanism. And, you know, looking back, I think it's fair to say that what most attracted me to Anglicanism was, uh, was Catholic, <laughs> you know, the, that is to say, uh, beautiful uh, church buildings, music, incense, a sense of sacred time and place. And so I ended up as an Episcopal priest. Um, I 
I got married, and for several years, I was I was serving in that capacity. Um, at, but I always had this. I mean, really, I from very early on, I had this nagging feeling that, in the end, uh, it, it wasn't possible to be Catholic without being Catholic. Um, you know, in other words, I, I my reasons for becoming Anglican in the first place were always very Catholic reasons. You know, I was attracted to the ancient church and to the kind of continuity with um, the fathers. And, and, and I think, you know, more and more, I just realized that I, it wasn't possible to fully have that outside the communion of the Catholic church. Um, so I had to, you know, I had to give up a lot of things uh, when, when finally, um, my wife and I, when we finally decided to become Catholic, it, it all happened pretty fast. Uh, I, I, I always tell people the tipping point was not, uh, it wasn't some crisis. I mean, I know, I know people who've gone through that. They kind of had a moment when all of a sudden they just couldn't do it anymore. For me, it was uh, quite simply, it was the invitation of a friend. Uh, there was a, a priest that we knew, um, another married former Anglican, and he and his wife, they had us over, and they just said to us quite directly, uh, we think it's time for you to become Catholic, and we'll help you. And and I think we just needed someone to ask. Um, and so, you know, fast forward about a year or so, and uh, one, one Sunday, I was a boarding school chaplain preaching at baccalaureate, and then... The next Sunday, I was a newly confirmed layman in the Catholic Church, and um, then we moved across the country, and I began uh, formation uh, for, for the priesthood and was ordained uh, a couple years later. Um, so it's, it's definitely been uh, quite a quite a journey for us. Yeah, well, the, you and I share a similar background. I grew up Southern Baptist as well. And uh, it, there's so much of what you're saying, uh, you know, outside of I, I didn't have the stop by Anglicanism. I actually went further into kind of fundamentalist uh, Protestant evangelical um, ideology before coming to a place where and I, I had a friend very much like you, a person, man who was a Southern Baptist pastor who at one point just said, Josh, why aren't you Catholic yet? And he's the one who kind of asked that same sort of question, you know? It seems like you're so, you understand it. There's nothing here that seems to indicate that you would not look at Jesus as your Lord, your Savior, and you articulate and you understand things about the Catholic Church and its teaching so well. Why aren't you Catholic? So uh, just a lot there that's so reminiscent of my journey into the Church as well. Um, as we talk today, though, about vocation, so you've got a bit of a, a unique perspective on this, being a married man who is a priest in the Catholic Church. Um, and maybe before we go into kind of that fullness of vocation and different aspects that might be unique for each one of us. Can you kind of help us, uh, maybe give us as simply as possible, when we talk about vocation, that word here as Catholics, how can we define that so that we can understand what we mean more than kind of a, um, a social and cultural understanding when we talk about vocation? Mainly it means just your, your job, your work, your employment. What does it mean when we talk about it as Catholics? Yeah, I, I, so I think it's 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 maybe easiest to to start by saying what we don't mean, um, because there are 
there are definitely um, a lot of senses uh, in which the word vocation is used in the world uh, that, that's distinct from how we, we talk about it in, in the church. So, you know, we do have, of course, all we have natural gifts and talents and propensities to certain things. Um, in fact, in addition, uh, all the baptized have spiritual gifts or, you know, charisms that we receive uh, in the church through the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, and, uh, and so people, you know, use all these things in, in pursuing uh, various kinds of, of, of work and, and or ministry in, in, in the church. Um, but, you know, most of the time when I think when Catholics say vocation, they're talking about what we refer to as state of life vocations. Um, and, and, and that's an important to distinguish from uh, simply a job or a career or a, a function. Um, so, you know, marriage, consecrated life, ordination, these are all what the church calls states of life, uh, which means that it's more than just a set of things that you're supposed to do, uh, but it's a, a, a permanent place in which you have committed to follow Jesus in, in this concrete way. Um, so, uh, you know, all of the faithful have vocation in the sense that they are asked by God to receive all of the, the gifts that he's given them in nature and, and, and in their life in the church and to steward them well. Um, also, all those faithful have a vocation in, the, in a universal sense that they're called to follow Jesus in whatever uh, place where they are. Uh, but that's that's separate from you know discerning or figuring out which state of life to choose if and when you have the opportunity to choose, um, and I, I think that's important to say as well. I mean, there's not these are things that vary uh, from uh, person to person. I mean, my my four year old is not in a place where he can choose a state of life. Right, he's, his state yeah. of life is just kind of given to him uh, where he is. Whereas, you know, when we get older and we, we have more decisions and it's all part of growing up and, 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 and reaching maturity, both as just as human beings and as Christians trying to grow into the full stature of Christ, there are various choices that we have to make. Um, and having a, a, an intentional uh, state of life is, is a big part of that. As you're talking about this, too, you know, that we each have that call to follow Jesus, you know, that's that's part of that universal vocation each of us has there. Um, maybe we can talk a little bit more about that, you know, the, that we all have that in common. And you said with that call, you know, we see throughout Scripture over and over that God has that call to individuals, you know, whether it's to Abraham, you know, just telling him to pick up and go where God wants him to go. And Abraham does. He just obeys. Uh, if it's God calling Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt and into the promised land, and they don't know exactly what that will entail when they start leaving right after the Passover, when they start going out into the wilderness. They don't know it's going to lead to 40 years in the wilderness there. Uh, maybe most clearly we see this with Jesus calling his apostles, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they're fishing. Jesus calls them, tells them, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We've got Matthew who's sitting at the table collecting taxes. Jesus calls him to follow. Matthew, he immediately gets up. He leaves what he's doing. He follows Jesus. 
you know, you, you talked about how even in your journey, you made that transition one week, you're an Anglican priest, the next week, you're a lay person who's a Catholic, been brought into the Catholic Church. And there's things that you end up leaving behind. How does the example of looking at some of these people in Scripture, maybe especially the apostles, responding to that call, how does that help us understand God's call for each of us in trying to figure out what our our vocation, that state of life vocation that you're talking about, is for each one of us individually? Yeah, I think I think for uh, everyone, vocation is, it is personal. It's not a formula. Um, you know, Jesus, the example that you give with the calling of the disciples, it's always, um, it, it's an, it's a personal address and, uh, that invitation, uh, God is calling you, um, not just in general, but, but you. And, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I told the story of, of, you know, my, my priest friend and who invited us. And, and for me, that was, such a critical moment just to say we're we're here standing in front of you saying we want to invite you into this thing and uh and and that that's huge um and so i think for all of us in the christian life there's 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 various moments sometimes they're big sometimes they're small where we have that uh that kind of dropping the nets moment of of conversion where you know our lord calls us to, to, to do something new. Um, you know, but I, I, I guess the, the Catholic tradition, you know, places a lot of emphasis as well on, on human nature and, and the fact that, um, we, you know, we talk about the, the catechism talks about the universal call to holiness and in, in certain ways, those are, um, it, it's a call to be who we were created to be, you know, so, it's a it's a reminder to live and and uh, and develop and mature the nature that we've been given in creation, and so um, it's 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 an intrinsic thing. In other words, it's not just a kind of le- let me give you this you know new set of information. You know, sometimes it may be that, but uh, but there's also an aspect of of the Christian cult of discipleship, which is recalling us to who we truly are and who we, you know, on some level should know ourselves to be. I mean, we're, we're children of God. We have uh, a rational uh, nature and free will and, and, and Holy Church is inviting us to rediscover that um, as, as we follow Jesus. Um, and and I think, with... uh, yeah, no, go ahead, Father. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I, I, I like to, emphasize that when when um when the new testament talks about vocation um you know when saint paul talks about you know be faithful to the calling to which you are called uh he's he's they're typically speaking of that in that that more general sense of christ has called you out of the world to be faithful to him that he's not speaking about it in the sense that oh you know god has given you this really specific instruction manual like of, of, of what, you know, step by step, what you need to do. It's, it's that, that call to faithfulness and to, to listening and to discipleship. 
Well, it, maybe we can pick up on that here in just a moment. Again, uh, talking with Father Sam Keyes here today. Father Keyes is priest in the ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter. He's a professor of theology at John Paul the Great Catholic University in California. T- talking today about understanding our vocation, being able to uh, discern where God is calling us. And how has that happened in your life? How were you able to understand your vocation? How are you living that out? How is understanding your vocation brought you closer, helped you to grow in holiness like Father Keyes is talking about? Uh, Maybe brought some peace in your spiritual journey. Maybe you're unsure of your vocation and unsure of where God might be calling you. You need a little advice. You're looking for a little insight. You can call in and speak with Father Keys. And our studio line here is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This hour brought to you in part by Father Stu, starring Mark Wahlberg along with Mel Gibson. Exclusively in movie theaters nationwide on April 13th. Rated R, under 17, not admitted without a parent. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio. I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser, who are helping to produce the program today. Nick uh, and I were talking just during the break, and he agrees with every single thing I say, which makes him a wonderful producer, and uh, he thinks I'm always right. <laughs> I'm so glad to say. Uh, we're talking today with Father Sam Keyes. He is a priest in the ordinariate of uh, the chair of St. Peter. He is a professor of theology at John Paul the Great Catholic University, and today talking about understanding and discerning our vocation, that call from God in our life. And maybe that's some area that you're struggling with. You're you're trying to figure out where is God calling me? What is my vocation? Uh, You can call in and ask your questions of Father Keys, 888-914-9149-888-914-9149. Father, kind of jumping off of where we were during the last segment, I think the most natural question is here, um, if we are trying to discern, you know, if I don't know my vocation, where do I start? And, you know, as you said, it's, it's individual for each person, but there are probably some at least starting guidelines that would be fairly similar for most people as they're trying to say, where is God calling me? How is God calling me to live out my life so that I can grow in holiness, so that I can know and love and serve him better? So uh, any suggestions on maybe some baseline uh, starting areas, starting points? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing I'd say is, you know, we have to get out of our head uh, in that it's really, um, I, I, I meet, for example, I meet a lot of Catholic young people who um, they'll go around saying things like, oh, I'm, I'm discerning marriage. I'm discerning whether God wants me to be married. But they're doing that in, 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 in an, an exclusively kind of, I, I don't know, maybe they're spending hours in prayer, which is, which is great, but, but ultimately um, vocation, especially a state of life, it's something that has to be discerned uh, in a communal context and, and with the church, with, you know, with other people. 
Um, and so uh, being able to get out there and uh, and and test things, you know, one one at a time. I mean, that's obviously you can't kind of go out there and discern everything at once. Um, if you all of us know, I mean, if you're if you're thinking about marriage, you you have to meet people, right? I mean, it doesn't. Um, it's very rare that that um, you know God just kind of drops the person down in front of us while we're kind of sitting in contemplation. Um, I'm not saying that can't happen, but but usually that's not how it works. Um, and in the same way, if you are um, if you are investigating or are drawn to some form of religious life or uh, or, or ordination or something like that, um, you, you have to take those those basic first steps of you know going to a a, a weekend retreat or something, or just a, a, sometimes places will have a day where you can, do, or, or even within a religious house. I mean, maybe there's an abbey nearby that you can just go, go visit, go drop in the church and, and say a prayer and, and see what happens. Um, the, um, th- that kind of basic exposure and uh, uh, just kind of being aware of the different uh, things out there is really um a, a first step in it, rather than just a kind of th- this idea that oh, I'm going to go out into the wilderness and think deep thoughts, and I'm going to come back having a clear sense of my vocation. Uh, you know, for most of us, that's not usually how it works. Um, yeah, so I guess that's well, the first so, thing. yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it, let, let's you know, kind of going on your example of a young person who is spending a lot of time just in prayer. Let's say they take you up on that suggestion. They say, okay, right, I, I'm not just going to spend that time isolated in prayer, but I'm also going to have the activity there in my life so I can see what might be possible out there. What if we've been doing that for a long period of time, but we still don't have that clear sense of where God is calling us? Mm. Um, uh, yeah, and I think that Partly that kind of comes back to just the basic idea of vocation, of whether or not we all have some sort of um, right to expect uh, a clarity of an individual call. Um, I, I think I, I really love what the, um, the Vatican II document on the, it's the decree on the life and ministry of priests. And uh, I think where do I have it? Oh, I have it in front of me here. Yeah, because um, I, I knew I might say this. Uh, there's this great, it's in paragraph 11 of that document, and it says, the, this voice of the Lord calling, however, is never to be expected as something which in an extraordinary manner will be heard by the ears of the future priest. It is rather to be known and understood in the manner in which the will of God is daily made known to prudent Christians. Um, and I, I think that that's just that's so important um, that you know it's certainly possible that you could have a kind of private revelation or some sort of supernatural gift of of certainty, um, but it's much more likely that you'll have to seek prudence. In other words, you're going to have to make decisions, and most decisions that we make uh, we make in a certain amount of uncertainty. Um, and I think uh, when it comes to uh, these questions of discernment, I t- I, I, I've, I've had this before, too, where I, I, I hear people and they talk about it as if making that first step is somehow a lifetime commitment. You know, the fact is, going and 
making an appointment and talking to a diocesan formation or vocations director, um, you're not signing up for the rest of your life. Like you're just having a conversation. Um, and in the same way, if you, you know, if you, if a guy, if you're, you know, a young woman and a guy asks you out and, you know, we're just going to go have a coffee. Okay. To say yes to that invitation does not mean that, you know, yeah, you're not picking out curtains or something of your yeah. life with that person. Right. And I think sometimes people think of it in those kind of all or nothing terms. And, um, you know, in the end, when you, when you get to the point where you're making vows for life, yeah, that is a big deal, but, but there yeah. are a lot of little steps before that. And I think people get really kind of, uh, hung up on the, the big steps and they don't want to, they don't want to make any of the little steps until they know where it's all headed. And, you're not going to know where it's all headed. You know, we, we don't know the future. And, um, and so you have to kind of take those little steps uh, in faith um, and, and trust that, that, that God is with you the whole time. And, and I think um, it's, you know, for somebody who, yeah, if, if they spend a lot of uh, many years and, and maybe somebody, um, of course, this is a really common thing where somebody would love to get married and it just, it just doesn't seem to happen. Um, that's not, that doesn't mean they're a failure as a human being. It doesn't mean they're, you know, ignoring the voice of God in their life. Um, you know, we could talk about that as a, as a kind of, um, of suffering that, that they can, um, can accept and deal with graciously and with patience. Um, but the fact is, that doesn't mean that they are somehow cut off from the life of holiness. You know, um, it's... I think too many people operate on this idea that, oh, there's this, that God has this, this singular path laid out for you. And if you kind of find it, then everything will be perfect. Um, but, but, but that's, again, that's not really how the spiritual life works. And so right. um, the fact that you haven't, you haven't, the fact that you haven't come to that point where you've, you've, you've had the invitation or the opportunity to, to choose one of these, you know, big picture kind of state of life vocations, um, that's okay. You know, again, holiness is still possible. And because there's that, that, that universal call to holiness and, um, and, and God is still calling you where you are to follow him. And, um, and so it's not, I, 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 I have to encourage people all the time, you know, that this is not, uh, it, it shouldn't be an occasion of anxiety, you know, Lord knows we have enough sure. anxiety around the world. Um. Do, do you think that there is, in talking with different people as they're trying to discern their vocation, there is this attitude of, I just want God to tell me exactly what to do. I want him to essentially make the decision for me. But then that... <laughs> It, it, it nullifies the fact that God has given you your own brain that you can use to think through and reason through the choices that are in front of you. And it also kind of takes away free will if you say, I just want you to make the choice for me, God. You know, Rather than going back to what you said, we have to have that trust that God is with us. We have to make our own decisions. And then we we seek God's will in those decisions, but it's still up to us to make them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, 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 and I, I, I mean, I get it. Free will, free will is hard, you know, sometimes. And, and, and our world of course puts so much emphasis on 
freedom, and often it's a kind of a false idea of freedom, where it's just right, the, right. The, just the, the ability to choose indifferently, and you know that sort of freedom is not a good in itself. Um, and and so I, I get that there's a you know sometimes I think in the face of our our pop culture and that emphasis, there is a a kind of reaction where well no I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to treat everything as if there's this, this this kind of very set, rigid course that, and, and there's a right, a single right answer for every single thing, um, and and I think that's a mistake too. And and it's it's an opportunity to remember that when it comes to the moral life, you know, the virtue is uh, in most cases the the mean between two opposing vices, and so there's a kind of approach to decision making where you can act like, you know, freedom is absolutely indifferent and you can do whatever you want and none of it matters, or you can, you know, you can act like every single decision, you know, is uh, the end of the world. And, um, you know, the Christian virtue of prudence and just kind of learning virtue is, is in the middle of, of that um, and, yeah. and learning how to trust. Well, and we have this, you know, you reference that the culture has this idea. Um, I mean, we see this Hollywood regularly has these presentations of, you know, if you find the one, finally, everything will just fall into place. I mean, Hallmark makes all these, <laughs> you know, movies that everything's everything's going down the wrong path until you meet that one person, that one person, and it changes everything, and all of a sudden, it's the best Christmas of your life, you know? And, and I mean, that, I think, does great detriment in confusing young men and young women in the pr- true process of trying to discern uh, that call to marriage. Mm-hmm. It does. And, and, and what I find interesting is that that, uh, that mentality of, you know, finding the one uh, that really kind of filters down into the way that we think about uh, vocation in general, you know. So um, it's not just the one in the sense of, oh, is, 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 is he or she the right one for me to marry? But there's this kind of, you know, lurking anxiety that like, well, you know, I really want to marry this person, but, you know, what if what if marriage is not, what if, what if like actually you know, secretly God intends for me to be a nun or a monk or whatever, and I'm getting it wrong. And, um, and, and again, there's this sort of a, a, a misunderstanding of human freedom and, and the fact that both of those are good things. And, um, you know, that's a, you know, Christians don't believe in, um, you know, fate and destiny and the way that um, the, the, kind of ancient pagan world uh, did, um, you know, God's providence is always operating uh, with our freedom and not somehow opposed to it. Um, and, and so we really, I, I just, I just think that that idea of, of the one um, is, is a real problem. And, and it's just a pernicious kind of uh temptation for people. And, and, and I, I always say this, and I, uh, this is kind of one of my taglines when I'm talking about marriage, but, you know, but, but I don't want to sort of, I don't want to say there, there's no such thing as the one in absolute terms, you know, but ultimately the one is the one that you choose, you know, um, when, um, you know, so 
I don't want to discount in some absolute sense the idea of a soulmate, you know, in, in that, that, yeah, I think it's quite possible to have a human person, you know, to have a spouse who, who you have a deep intimacy and, and a kind of mutuality with. I think that's, that's great. That's part of what um, can happen in marriage. Uh, but the idea that this is somehow destined is, is false. That's something that you have to grow into in maturity. And, um, and, and you can't get there until you, you know, you make your consent, right? And, and marriage in the Catholic Church, consent makes marriage. That's the basic, um, you know, canon law perspective. Uh, marriage is, is the exchange of consent. And so um, that's the foundation. Uh, and, and actually, a lot of other vocational states of life work like that, too. You know, when you make your vows to a religious order, um, it, it's, it's actually a mutual thing, right? You can't just show up at a Carmelite monastery and be like, all right, I'm going to make my vows, you know, now. They're going to be like, well, hold on, who are you? Like, do, you, do we actually want to invite you into this, you know? <laughs> well, um, and, and, and I, I think there's also, yeah. Father, this idea that, if I if I just find that perfect path, then I will be joyful and happy and never have a bad day for the rest of my life, and everything in life will come easy after that, and I'll never have to really put forth much effort. And that's also a lie that we tell ourselves in not being realistic that, no, you're going to have good times and bad times, and yeah, you're going to have to put in some work, you know, whether you're called to a vocation of marriage, whether it's religious life, it's going to take some effort. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Father Sam Keyes is our spiritual director here today on The Inner Life as we're talking about understanding and discerning our vocations. And we're also inviting you to call into the program with your questions. Maybe uh, how have you been able to understand your vocation? How have you been able to live that out? And how has that brought you closer to God? Uh, maybe it's taken some work, maybe maybe it's taken some effort, but you've seen the fruit of that in your life. 888-914-9149 is the phone number you can call into the program. 888-914-9149 or email us innerlife at relevantradio.com. And I also want to mention really briefly here that coming up here at uh, on Monday of Holy Week, so we're, we're just a few days away from beginning Holy Week here, during this hour, We're going to actually be airing a very special five-day Holy Week mission. Uh, Father Rocky, our executive director here at Relevant Radio, has a five-day Holy Week mission called Close to Jesus to the Last. And he'll walk you through those moments of Christ's passion, those days leading up to the crucifixion. And I hope you'll be able to listen. If you're not able to join here in this hour every single day, uh, you can also hear it again. It'll replay at 6 p.m. Central uh, every day through Holy Week, again, Monday through Friday, close to Jesus to the last. Beautiful way for you to enter Holy Week and really help just gain that perspective on what was happening in the life of Christ. And you can journey with him together there as we all walk to the cross, the suffering that Jesus had for his sacrifice out of love for us, and then looking ahead toward Easter. So I hope you tune in. Again, we'll continue our conversation with Father Keyes in just a moment here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and talking today with Father Sam Keyes, a priest in the ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, a professor of theology at John Paul the Great Catholic University in California. Today talking about understanding that call from God, our vocation, how we discern that and how we live that out, and how have you lived that out in your life? How have you been able to discern where God is calling you? Maybe you haven't been able to discern where God is calling you. It's a bit of a struggle for you, and you're trying to figure out, where am I supposed to go in life? What is God asking me to do? You need a little advice. You can call in at 888-914-9149, Father Keys, one of the things that you mentioned uh, a little bit ago in our conversation, you, you said, you know, we all receive certain talents or certain gifts that we're able to use for the kingdom. Um, I mean, just by virtue of our baptism, we have certain spiritual gifts. Uh, there's one psalm, uh, this is Psalm 37, where the psalmist writes, find your delight in the Lord who will give you your heart's desire. And it, it kind of reminds me of when Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So in trying to discern our vocation, if we're seeking to love and serve God in our lives, if we are trying to, as the psalmist says, we, we find our delight in the Lord, it sounds like God will use those areas where we have, we're passionate about something, we have that desire already, and he will maybe grow that into the work he's calling us to do. Um, you know, is that is that a good area to look and say, you know, this might be where I start. If I already have an interest, if I already have a passion in this area, is that where we begin to look and say, yeah, maybe God's calling me to work here and this can be that start of understanding my vocation? I do think that that's a, an important place to start. Um, the uh, our desire, you know, in the Christian understanding, you know, our emotions and desires, these are um, basically neutral things and that they can be used for good or evil and they can be, right. uh, they can be disordered um, or they can be redirected towards um, the good. And um, our, our goal as Christians and in, in growing into that mature humanity, it, it's not to, you know, be detached from all um, kind of feelings whatsoever. That's, um, I mean, that's Buddhism, basically. Um, it's, you know, our, our, our hope, rather, is to be more attached and drawn to, to the good. Um, so uh, our emotions and, and, and passions and feelings, these are things that, that need to be um, reformed, they need to be worked on. Um, and, and so, so yeah, it's, 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 it's important to be aware of them as a start, you know, and not just try to, you know, ignore them. Um, I, I think sometimes that's a temptation um, uh, because we might have this, you know, pious ideal of uh, kind of unemotional detachment. And, 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 and so being aware of, of, of things that we uh, are drawn to is, is certainly a good um, a good start and, 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 ex and explore those, you know, if, if, if I do have this mysterious, you know, longing for, 
I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's like I, I I something that's really powerful for me personally is incense. I don't know why. I just I've always been. It, it's I, I mean I I, I don't want to say I'm a Catholic because of incense because that would be simplifying things, but. But there's it to me. It's like such a powerful thing, and I don't even know why. Um, I, I understand that because sensory experiences, well, you know. Well, and that's what I was going to say. You know, you and I both talked about growing up Southern Baptist, and that was something that I never experienced as a young person in a Christian community. And so the first time I experienced a high mass, I said, oh, my gosh, this is engaging all of the senses here as we mm-hmm. get to participate in this. So th- there is something that it, it really struck me the first time I was at a mass where incense was used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're whole persons, body and soul. You know, we're not just souls needing redemption. We, we are bodies. And so uh, bodily life matters. Um, and, you know, I think where the, the emotions and, and desires play into it, it does depend something on the, the, the nature of the decision that we're making. You know, if I'm, uh, if I'm cooking dinner and I, you know, want to throw in a little something <laughs> on, just kind of on a whim, like that's, that's not, that's not a decision of like huge consequence. You know, I could kind right, of like right. let my, uh, emotions run wild and it might be a disaster, but it's not that big of a deal. You know, whereas if I'm, uh, if I'm making some huge life decision to move across the country or something, just because, you know, I had a really good feeling about a phone call, like that's, that's irrational. Um, and so, you know, we have to kind of keep all these things balanced and, and to talk to other people and, and trusted uh, people who can give us advice about um, our, our our feelings to kind of disentangle them and have a, a an objective understanding of things. Father, let's go to the phones. Nareda is calling in from Dallas, Texas. Nareda, welcome to the Inner Life. You're on the air. Good morning. Thank you. Good, Good morning, morning, Father. Yes, I was hearing your program while I was doing my lunch, and I just said the Holy Spirit said I got a call. I grew up in Panama with nothing but the basic need. And I understand now that that gave me the maturity to understand that God had a perfect plan for me. Um, but that, that vocation that I had in my heart since I was later to become a teacher, it was hard through life to understand it. And, and for my parents that didn't have the resources to help me to become a teacher. But I fight through everything and with nothing but my desire to get that goal accomplished. But it wasn't like until like um, I was already in the university and graduated um, as a teacher that I did a cursillo and and that was the the whole turnaround in my life because I hear more clearly the voice of God. You gotta surrender to be able to quiet yourself from this noisy world and surrender to God's will. And then is when I start feeling that God was speaking to me through every single detail, like nature, the birds, the plants, and everything around it, and putting in my heart that I have that gift. Well, I have tons of gifts that he had gave me, but to help others and to put it in the hands of other people to become better in this world and to change this world for the better good of our um, child. And now I'm trying to discern and trying to go back to school and starting a master program, 
because I keep hearing um, in Relevant Radio and all the programs and, and in church that he is keeping putting me that desire. You got to give more. You got to serve more. You got to put your gift to the service of God. And, and Mireida, I'm going to jump in here and it. let Father respond just because we're down to our last couple of minutes in the hour. Um, Father, any thoughts on Nareda's comments? Uh, yeah, I mean, Nareda, that's a beautiful um you know, a story of your, you know, listening to, um, you know, God's voice for you. And, and I think you, you really hit the nail on the head in talking about surrender. Um, and because I think so many of us think about vocation as, as, oh, if I get this right, I'm going to be in control. And, you know, ultimately it's a matter of, um, you know, letting go and allowing, God to use us in the place where we are, um, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the most important thing. Nareda, thank you so much for calling in. Father Sam Keys, thank you for being our spiritual director here during this hour. We have about 20, uh, 20 seconds remaining. Could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners as we conclude the hour today? Of course. The peace of God which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Keys, for being on the program. Great to be able to talk with you today. And, of course, if you joined us late, the podcast will be available at RelevantRadio.com and on the Relevant Radio app here in just a little bit. Uh, Stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, and we'll talk with you tomorrow here on The Inner Life.